The call on the ice stands. We got to go. Okay, fellas, we are set to go. Let's roll, boys. Come on, let's get going. We are kicking. Here we go. Oh, guys, five minutes each for fighting. Watch the blue. Play the puck. Run to it. After further review, it's the Scouting the Refs podcast. Yeah, baby. Here's your hosts, Todd Lewis and Josh Smith. Okay, gentlemen, play ball. Let's go. All right, guys, let's drop the puck. It has been kind of a wacky schedule for the last week. There was a couple of dark nights with no hockey. I know everybody was a little twitchy on those days, but but now we're back into it. Hockey every night, right through until the Christmas break, I think, Josh. And I think everyone feels good about that. I know I do. I, I I miss those off nights. It was weird. There's nothing going on. But then every once in a while, Todd, you get that crazy game like, say, Calgary-Nashville, which throws a whole bunch of exciting moments in there for the officials. So with nonstop games, I think we can count on more of those. But yeah, the, the off nights were definitely a, a weird thing. I, I prefer having a, a game on U.S. Thanksgiving. I think that would be good. I think that we could we could massage the schedule to more evenly distribute, if you will. But as you mentioned, no shortage of content again for this week's edition of the Scouting the Refs podcast. Please make sure you follow us on the social channels. You get Josh at Scouting the Refs on both X and on Instagram. You get me at Toddler Sports on both X and Instagram as well. On this week's episode, no glove, no love. Watch your head. Where'd the puck go? Whoops, there goes my stick. It's all part of, well, we'll call this maybe crazy combos week, do you think, Josh? Yeah, I think so. We had some moments where it wasn't just one weird rule situation, but two of them that combined like like Voltron for a greater superpower. <laughs> and, and multiple incidents in, in one game, too. So before we go too far... Let's give major props to linesperson Tyson Baker working the Flames-Predators game this past week. Calgary's Dennis Gilbert and Nashville's Michael McCarron decide they're going to throw down. And as things go along, Gilbert loses his bucket. As the fight concludes, the two players are falling to the ice. Baker leaps in to try and put his hand behind Gilbert's head to make sure it doesn't hit the ice. Well done, sir. Yeah, that was uh, amazing situational awareness. I mean, he just jumps right in there and you see these guys and I know sometimes fans get frustrated because they want they want the players to be allowed to fight. They want to let them keep going and, and keep throwing those haymakers and knock each other silly. But the linesmen really are tasked with keeping the players safe. So you want to have a fight. You know, we're doing it within the rules. But when things get dangerous, if it gets one sided, if it's a situation where somebody's at risk of injury, that's when they absolutely want to jump in and break it up. This is probably one of those or one of the most dangerous situations I can recall where you have a guy without his helmet on falling to the ice. So uh, amazing move by Tyson Baker there. Uh, glad to see he was able to do it. We don't have an injury coming out of this. And it's all because the linesman was super aware of what was going on, knew that he didn't have a helmet and did what he could to prevent his head from hitting the ice. So, yeah, if, if we're awarding an official of the week, Todd, it's, it's going to Tyson Baker. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Great job there. OK, in the same game. Calgary's Mackenzie Weger is giving his all after giving the puck away at his own blue line. After Weger turns the puck over, he grabs Kiefer Sherwood, one of the two Predators players that are headed towards goaltender Jacob Markstrom. Now, when Weger fails to disrupt the play in this manner by committing an offense, he casually slides slash tosses his stick forward to deflect the pass before it can become a grade A scoring opportunity. So in this case, this is the rare double-double pulled off by Mackenzie Weger, a penalty and a penalty shot. 
yeah, it's rare. I mean, we see just just out of human nature that we see a player pick up two penalties on the same play. Usually you, you get a little more leeway. They're only going to call the one. And sometimes you can get away with a little bit more. But Uyghur on this one, this this was a no-brainer. You, you got the holding call already coming up. And then in desperation, you throw your stick to try to break up the play. And obviously, in the, in the words of Mike Lego, you can't do that. <laughs> throwing your stick at the puck carrier, throwing your stick to disrupt a play, it's it is clearly a penalty. Or in some situations in your defensive zone, if it if it breaks up the play, it is a penalty shot. So yeah, not not his brightest shift, I would say. And and I love that you introed it, Todd, by saying he was throwing everything he had. Everything, yes, everything, including the stick. <laughs> Well, you, you got to do what you got to do at this point is like, I've already committed a penalty. Uh, this is, this is not going to end well in some way, shape or form. So I can at least try to prevent the puck from going in. Yeah. Just one of those moments where maybe that the, the brain cell wasn't quite operating at full capacity there. And it, I mean, it was a great play. He did timed it just right. Hit the puck on the way over, but you, you can't, you just can't do that. Mackenzie Weger. If you were one of the folks in attendance at this game with Calgary and Nashville, you certainly got your money's worth because there was yet another incident that we want to touch on in this edition. The, the Predators score, the Flames want to challenge the goal because of a hand pass from Philip Forsberg. It's kind of an unusual situation that involves the challenge. Can you kind of walk us through this one, Josh, to explain what happened and what didn't happen? Yeah, this was a fun play. You've got uh, Forsberg picking up the rebound. He goes behind the net. The puck is following him. So he, you could say he bats the puck, but it clearly looked like he closes his hand on the puck and throws it towards the crease. It's not a legal play. It, it would be penalized as a penalty for closing your hand on the puck, but the on-ice officials missed it. Now, it was it was quick. I can't tell the the actual angle or the perspective that the officials had when they saw it, but Looking at the replay, you can see he closes his hand, grabs the puck for about a second or two, and then tosses it into the crease, hoping to set up a scoring chance, which he did. The problem is that when he threw the puck, and again, we'll say it was a, it was a missed call, but one that can't be caught via replay, one the officials can't take a second look at, and one that is ineligible for a coach's challenge because Calgary touched the puck next. So when we look at the coach's challenges for a hand pass, that does fall under the challenge criteria for a missed stoppage. But for a hand pass to result in a stoppage, it has to be played by the player of the same team that caused the infraction, which in this case, the Nashville Predators, they didn't hit it first. The Flames did. They mishandled the puck, turn it right back over, and it results in a Predators goal. I appreciate the Calgary bench trying to challenge this one. I mean, I, I get where they were coming from. There was a hand pass. But once the Calgary player touches the puck, it negates the hand pass, and there's no longer a missed stoppage on the play. Yes, it was a, a missed hand pass. And if we could go back and review this penalty, perhaps it would have been a missed closing the hand on the puck penalty. But you can't challenge the closing the hand on the puck. You can't challenge any missed penalties. All you can challenge is the missed stoppage. And because Calgary played the puck, there was no missed stoppage, nothing worth challenging. And Calgary's video team probably should have caught that before they issued the challenge because now... You've given up a goal, and now you're shorthanded on a play that really shouldn't have been challenged in the first place. It's just one of those crazy sets of circumstances where a couple of different rules intersect, and one trumps the other in terms of the process, correct? Exactly. And and it, it also comes down to what the league has considered in scope for video review by the league and in scope for coaches' challenges. And if it's a play leading directly to a goal, it has to fit certain criteria. So that 
wasn't a hand pass. It wasn't a penalty. So it, you have to look. And the league's, I think, done a decent job of trying to find out where that line is. What do we want to allow for a challenge when we allow for a missed stoppage or or an offside? And, and then where we don't. Where there's a change of possession, you can still challenge. Uh, where there's a hand pass that was negated, clearly you can't. Our next game situation will illustrate a place where you can challenge because this one was successfully challenged. It's just the other extenuating circumstances that were a bit weird in the Pittsburgh and the New York Rangers game where Alex Nylander appears to have scored the tying goal at the time as he has a nice deflection past goaltender Jonathan Quick. The Rangers fans at the time are absolutely freaking out because Jonathan Quick had lost his glove earlier in the play and is now playing with a bare left hand and trying to catch the puck as it's headed towards the goal. And the the refs were not incorrect in letting the play go. However, the goal gets called back because of an earlier incident. So yeah, Todd, like you said, this is when we get those incidents that, that tend to stack up because... The refs made the right call here. Quick lost his glove. It looked like Rangers defenseman Ryan Lindgren cross-checked one of the attacking players. That contact resulted in knocking Quick's glove into the corner, but we play on. The NHL rulebook does not allow for a stoppage of play when a goaltender has lost his glove. And we've seen it in the past. We've seen Thatcher Demko make some great saves barehanded. And, you know, obviously you don't want a guy to get injured here, but it it doesn't allow for the play to be stopped. Even in this situation, if Quick had lost his mask, the teams may have played on because a goaltender is required to continue to play and play carries on when there's an imminent scoring chance. So even losing your mask isn't enough for an automatic stoppage, but there is no clause in the rule book that allows for a lost glove to draw a stoppage in play there. So it was the right call by the officials. And, and I can think way back. I remember games in the nineties where you saw guys barehanded trying to stop the puck. I, if I recall a Mike Richter actually made a, a barehanded save or grabbed the puck out of the crease with his bare hand at one point in the, in the nineties. So it, this has been a rule that's been in place for a long time. It seems counterintuitive to player safety that you're letting a goaltender make a save without a glove. You're, you're risking a season ending injury, broken hand there, but the rule book says we play on. They did. And the rule book also says we can challenge for offside. So I think for Ranger fans and for the Ranger bench, at least they didn't give up a goal on the play. And they're fortunate that Jonathan Quick didn't get injured. It's it's a really strange set of circuits. I don't know that uh, this this has ever occurred before, that the goal is scored, the goalie's got no glove. Oh, by the way, the goal is disallowed after a challenge for offside. You know, it's still a, a weird thing. And I know we've had coaches challenges for a while, but the idea that a goal is scored and one team celebrates and all the fans and the other team, everybody's holding their breath to see, is, <laughs> is, is there a challenge? Is this a legal goal? You know, it used to just be a goal is a goal. And once in a while you'd get one overturned, but anymore, everybody's appealing to the officials that, Oh, maybe there was a problem here. And, and I think the Rangers players at the point where were appealing that quick didn't have a glove and that play should have stopped, which is not what the rule book says, but it, it worked out for them in the end. Okay. Um, also involving the Rangers, but this time with the New Jersey Devils, Jack Hughes fires what looks to be a routine shot at goaltender Igor Shesterkin this time. After the puck appears to be caught, the referee's whistle sounds, and a split second later, we see the puck falling into the back of the net. The officials huddle. They make the call. It is a good goal, and this call is confirmed after a consultation with the office in Toronto. 
Now, this is called a good goal, Josh, because of the phrase continuous play. That is, that is correct. And, and for Rangers fans, it, there is a difference between intent to blow and a continuous play. And I think if if we go back, and I'll, maybe this will help frame it a little bit, Todd, if we go back to the, the goal from Will Cooley that was waived off uh, a, a recent history, maybe a week or so ago, that was a play where the, the ref intended to blow the whistle. And we can see that Capo Caco comes in, swats the puck. The puck does end up over the goal line. They didn't have anything conclusive to say when the puck went in, but if the ref intended to blow the whistle before Caco pushes it, and we only see the puck over the line after, that's not a continuous play because there was some sort of interaction with the Rangers where they're making a play on the puck after the referee intends to blow the whistle. This one, as you mentioned, is a continuous play. So what we're looking at here is a play that is unaffected by the whistle. The shot goes on goal, the whistle sounds, but nothing happens here. There's no Devils player taking another whack at the puck. There's not a Rangers players letting up on the play that results in the goal being scored. The puck was shot, the save was made, the puck is still in motion. So nothing was affected by the whistle sounding. Even if he intends to blow it, he's not blowing the whistle before that save is made. So... There's nothing here that happened as a result of the whistle that led to the goal being scored. And it's, I know it's frustrating, but when you break it down and look at the differences between why they intended to blow, because it was supposed to be a stoppage or this situation where nothing happened, the whistle sounds and whether it sounded or not, nothing would have been any different. If the puck's there, the whistle sounds, and then uh, Halla comes in and, and pushes the puck over the goal line, this would have been waved off because then the play would have been affected by the whistle because maybe Shesterkin lets up, maybe Truba stops his defensive assignment, the whistle sounds, Halla pokes it in. That would have been no goal, but because nobody interacted with the puck, it was purely the puck's inertia from before the whistle sounding, it does result in a good goal. Just to go a little further on this as well, because you mentioned and illustrated really nicely a further action, Shesterkin is almost motionless as well. If he had made a dramatic move, that might have caused the puck if, to fall. If in. you could make the argument that his body position or that his attempted save or, or non-save was affected by the whistle. You know, if the whistle sounds and then the puck happens to move, that could be a different situation. But you're right. He was motionless. He made the save. He clamps down on the puck. Obviously, the puck was still rolling and still moving. So it's a loose puck. It's it's a culmination of a continuous play, which is what the league calls it in Rule 37-3. And, and that's what happened on, on this situation. But yeah, really, from a Rangers fan's standpoint, I can understand why they're looking at, you know, why did this one count after the whistle? And one for us last week counted before the whistle, but that one was disallowed. So how does this make sense? <laughs> okay, so just to complicate it further, you can explain why this one didn't count. This is the goal involving the Florida Panthers and the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, Anaheim's Jacob Silverberg comes around the net looking for the wraparound and to shove the puck past goaltender Anthony Stolarz. The goalie gets his pad up against the post. The play is blown dead. The call on the ice is no goal but they have a look at things on video and camera angles after review referee bo halkitas makes the announcement the puck didn't completely cross the line i'm not a hundred percent sure on that one maybe bo needs to work on the wording of those announcements a little bit but maybe we could also use a little technology I help i think here. we could absolutely use technology help puck tracking would be a wonderful thing right here the crossbar camera that the league used to have would have been amazingly helpful. 
the goalpost camera that was in the side vertical goalpost, that would have been helpful in giving us a clearer view. But unfortunately, it's the view, it's the technology that I think fails us on this play, Todd, because it looked like it was over the line. You look at the overhead camera angle and it appears to show the puck over. And remember, there there is a an angle of that camera where the crossbar and the goal line don't exactly line up. So sometimes perspective can be tricky here. But man, the resolution of that camera, it's so hard to tell where the goal line ends and where the the the, the actual over the goal line, where the white paint is there to see that the puck was completely in. So I, I know when the puck is elevated, it can be tricky. It can look like it's all the way over when it's actually not. And I think the league really had to punt this one. We didn't have a goal call on the ice. So no goal was signaled. So the call on the ice was no goal. They did not have conclusive evidence that they felt a hundred percent showed that that puck was completely over the line. And boy, it looked like it was to me it, looking at the multiple angles. Me I thought too. it was, but I, I can appreciate that they felt that it wasn't a hundred percent conclusive, but Holy cow. If we can't get a conclusive angle on this, we need to fix it. We need to fix the technology. We need that crossbar camera back, which the abandoned. We need the yes. goalpost camera or best of all puck tracking so that we can say, look, the puck completely crossed the line. We know that the puck is over the line. Let's let's avoid having this review altogether. Let's just let technology light up the goal light when the puck crosses the line and we won't have to go and spend five, 10 minutes reviewing it with a blurry camera that looks like webcam footage from 2002. <laughs> I know. Are they, are they aware that there's high definition cameras? I mean, strap a goal post, go, GoPro to the, uh, to the post. What the is going bar. on with the NHL and technology? They, they were like leaps and bounds ahead. We had the, the animated Nickelodeon show that showed the players representing what was happening on the right. ice. Now, in the past couple of weeks, we've got NFTs back, and now we're using blurry webcam footage that uh, <laughs> that's questionable at best. I understand that there's going to be a retro <laughs> game in black and white coming up soon. Good stuff, man. Where to work? Get in the box. Easy. It's the Scouting the Refs podcast. Read more at scoutingtherefs.com. Follow Scouting the Refs on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Email the show at ref at scoutingtherefs.com. They're good, my book. Subscribe, share, and keep those sticks down. That's good play.